Welcome back to another Youth-Centered Podcast. Again, I want to thank everybody for participating in the Six-Part Savage Leadership Series we just wrapped up. And now we're back to some uh, just some local flavor. Uh, and today I'm pretty excited to have uh, an old friend, um, somebody that has been basically here longer than I've been here, and we've worked kind of side by side. Uh, and he's actually announced his retirement. He's only going to be here for about another month. Uh, I, don't, I think he forgets that we kind of had a deal like 15 years ago that would go out of around the same time. Uh, but he's jumping the gun a little bit early for me, uh, and he'll be leaving at the end of June. So my guest today is the well-known, famous uh, fire chief from North Andover, William Bill McCarthy. Bill, thanks for coming on the Youth Center podcast. Well, Rick, I appreciate the uh, invite, and I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. So, Bill, what we do with all of our guests is I could read a little bit of a bio, which would be a little bit stale. I like to have our guests kind of give their own bio. So for maybe a minute or two, if you could kind of tell us, and you grew up in North Andover. You are North Andover. I mean, Bill McAvoy was always known as the mayor of North Andover, but you may be, along with Terry Holland, uh, the two present mayors of North Andover. Talk a little bit about who Bill McCarthy is. Well, obviously, I grew up here in North Andover my whole life. Um, went to Thompson School. I was a uh, Thompson School Tiger. Um, went through the middle school, graduated to high school. Um, after high school, I went to ULOW, which is now UMass Low. Uh, played a little basketball there. And um, in 1986, I married my wife, Pam. Uh, this is our 35th uh, wedding anniversary this coming year. And let's admit, you all kicked your coverage with Pam, by the way. Well, I, yeah, I, I did I did well. I did well. So, um, met her right out of high school. Um, we dated uh, for about a year and a half, got engaged, and um, we're, we're married. Ended up having two beautiful children, uh, Kristen, who's now 32, and my son Tyler, who's now 28. Both of them are married. Uh, Kristen just had her second son a month ago. And she has a three-year-old boy, um, Cameron. Her new son is Colson. And Tyler has a 10-month-old girl, Madeline. So that's, um, that's very quickly um, where I am now. But uh, growing up in North Andover has been great. Um, it's yeah, I wanted to touch a little bit about that. So you grew up, and you have a friend group that we're actually going to talk about that I always get a kick out of. Uh, I'll never forget the father-son camping weekend every summer with your crew. Um, but your, your group has kind of stayed connected over the years. What was it like growing up? I don't think people realize that in the 70s, early 80s, North Andover was very different uh, in terms of how many people lived here. I mean, there are areas that are huge developments now that were just woods when you were growing up here. What was it like growing up in the North Andover area in the late 70s, early 80s? So I grew up downtown. I grew up on Linden Ave, which is off Mass Ave. I grew up in between two floors, uh, Oates' floors and Seymour's floors. And I actually worked there uh, making 50 cents an hour uh, back when I was, uh, uh, you know, 10, 11 years old. Um, Spent a lot of time hanging out at the playgrounds. Back then, there was um, neighborhood playgrounds. I went to Carl Thomas and spent most of my summers down there. Um, in the neighborhood, we were outdoors until we were called in for dinner. And uh, grew up with a lot of different families in my neighborhood. Played a lot of different, uh, you know, it was either street hockey, uh, wiffle ball games, a game called cross country. We used to uh, 
chase people. It was like a large tag game, but it was mm-hmm. it was through uh, different neighborhoods. Um, so we were always outdoors. We were going to either my pool. We grew up with a pool, or we'd go to our friends' pool. So we we spent all our, our time outside. Um, and summers seemed to be forever. They would last forever. Um, developed some great friends that I'm still friendly with now. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Town was a lot smaller then. Um, really didn't know about our country. Yeah. Um, I mean, this this the youth center area was considered the start of our country. Right. And now it's kind of like the middle of town. Right. It's like the middle of town now. The town. Uh, but again, I spent all my time on my bike. Uh, you know, downtown for summer vacations. Um, my parents would take us uh, camping. The whole family would we'd all go camping in a pop up tent for a couple weeks, and uh, you know it was very. Uh, it was enjoyable, very simple back then, but uh, you know we had a, we had a ball growing up here in North Annabelle. Absolutely. So one of the things I do want to touch on is you know you lightly said it, but you you were a, a really good athlete at North Annabelle High School. Um, I obviously know about your your basketball exploits, and you did play for a little bit at you uh, Lowell, but you were also I think the fo- football quarterback uh, and played a number of different sports. What was it like playing sports for North Annabelle Knights back in the day? A lot of traditions, same as it is now, but um, I, I remember growing up, um, you know, playing in the Booster Club basketball, and back then, um, Coach Lakari, who, who was my high school coach, um, had tremendous teams, and I remember going to all the state championship games when I was younger, and couldn't wait to get up to the high school and play for, for Coach Lakari. So I grew up playing um, football, baseball, and basketball in the Booster Club, and uh, in high school, uh, great tradition. Uh, football, I enjoyed tremendously. Uh, I had Coach Kavanaugh, and um, we had a we had a good um, group of uh, athletes in our class. Um, some great running backs and uh, receivers, and um, got to play with a lot of my friends. That friends that I, I still hang out with now. Uh, basketball, we did well. Uh, ended up into the second round of the state championship. Um, had a pretty good record of twenty and three. One of the uh, Stronger records, um, you know. We didn't ultimately get to the to the finals, but it was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, enjoyed it. Yeah, you went off to U Lowell, and as you said, played basketball for a little bit. But as you're as you're in your college career and working summers back here in North Andover, uh, what were you, what were some of your career goals when you were at your U Lowell? Because we're going to touch on this a little bit. That. I think you've worked for a number of departments. I think you worked for DPW. I think you worked. Uh, you were thinking about possibly the police department, and then obviously you had an illustrious career with the fire department. So go back to like your early twenties when you were still in college. What were your career goals back then? Well, I knew growing up, um, even even in high school. I mean, I knew I was going to be something in public safety. I had an interest in police. Um, fire department. Um, I used to help my father, who uh, at nighttime was the custodian for the the town buildings, and it was right next door to the fire department. So I I, I met a lot of the firefighters uh, growing up. So I knew that was something I was that I was interested in. I knew I was interested in in, in law enforcement. Um, growing up, my father told me, take all these exams, take the police, take the state police, take the fire. Um, the worst thing you can do is you don't get asked, or if you are asked. You either accept it or you don't. So um, I knew, even in college, and I, I, I went to college, took criminal justice. So I have a degree in criminal justice, but I also have a, a degree in fire science. Um, but I knew I was going to be in, in one of those 
um, positions. Mm. Well, I wanted to be, and um, uh, went to went to college, graduated there in '85 um, with a degree in criminal justice. Uh, got married in '86. Six months later, I got a, a call from the fire department. Um, went in, did an interview, and I was hired. Uh, so I started working for the fire department in 1986. A couple years later, I did get a call from the police department, um, and I took a reserve position with the North End Police Department. So I actually, uh, during that year, was working my fire schedule, and on my days off, I went and worked um, police. Was part of that you weren't sure which direction? You yeah, I wasn't sure. I was still at that point, um, you know, still young, um, and the. Northampton Police Department opportunity came up, so I, I wanted to try it. Uh, did it for six months, and uh, I remember sitting down with uh, Chief Dolan, who was my chief at the time, and said, you know, Chief, I'm going to be staying here. I, uh, um, I just think I have it pretty good here at the fire department. I think I enjoy it more, and, and that's when he told me, he says, you know, you really should start getting into the books, thinking about uh, moving up, getting promoted lieutenant. So I did. I, at that point, I started, um, you know, studying for my lieutenant's exam, and uh, a few years later, uh, an, an opening came up, and that's when I uh, was promoted to lieutenant. So you started out as a firefighter, right. and then the plan, and you know, and obviously we remember Chief Dolan, obviously been retired for a while now, but he must have saw something in you um, that he really wanted to, you know, promote that. Hey, you know, if you want to, you know, move in the department here, you got to do this stuff. And how many years was it on the force before you became? Uh, um, a lieutenant? So it was about eight years. I actually did a couple years of um, acting lieutenant. Uh, we had a couple injuries, so I filled in as an acting lieutenant for about two years. Um, and then shortly after that, a couple I think just a couple weeks, a uh, permanent position came up. So um, I did the lieutenant's position for 20 years, mm. up until 2015. 2015, I was promoted to the deputy fire chief. Right. And then um, 2016, Chief Melnikas retired and I was chosen as the uh, fire chief in 2016. Nice, and we're so, gonna get into that part of it. Let me go back a little bit. Um, I, obviously, I know you real well, and I think I know some of the answers to this, but we always like to ask about mentors. And when you were a young kid, uh, and knowing your mom the way I know your mother, I never met your father, obviously, so we always know that families have you know, a big influence on it. But who would be some of the mentors that you had growing up as you started your professional career, whether it be teachers or people in town? I, I know Bill McAvoy was important for you, but who, who were some of those mentors? Well, I, I'd have to say starting right out that I'd have to look at my father first. Um, my father uh, passed away at 55, mm -hmm. uh, but his whole life worked two jobs. He was all about family. Uh, tremendous work ethic, and I think that's where I have it, and I think, you know, my my two children show that. Um, my father went to work, and then he would come home at night, and he'd have to go to a second job. And I just look at that, what he did for the family, um, to be able to provide for six of us. Um, you know, we had, uh, I have two other, you know, I had two other brothers, one, one of my brothers passed, but um, three sisters, so it was a big family. Um, but my father and my mother uh, have always worked tremendously hard for us. So, um, I mean, those are the people I look up to first. But uh, mentors in town, obviously, you had mentioned Bill McAvoy. I, I, I met him very early in my life uh, through the recreation department. Uh, his son, Billy, played basketball with me in the 
uh, one of the uh, Bustical basketball teams. So we were close. I would hang out at Billy's house. Um, and uh, so uh, I remember being a playground instructor under Bill McAvoy. That was one of my town jobs. Yeah. And uh, But obviously Joe Walsh. Um, I think every a lot of people um, know of Joe Walsh. Um, same thing. He would, uh, after baseball games uh, during the summer, um, he would normally be umpiring down at the games. When those games ended, we'd end up going down the Glenwood Street. We played football in the street. Uh, he'd be the quarterback, and uh, Joe's uh, children um, and the neighborhood kids, and we'd have games. Um, but, again, I, I worked a little bit for the North Denver Housing Authority as, as uh, you know, um, uh, high school, you know, during uh, snowstorms, they would have me come in and help shovel and so, and Joe Walsh uh, ran the North Denver Housing Authority. So I was very, very tight with Bill McVoy, uh, Joe Walsh. Um, but I saw what they did for a, a lot of um, people in town. I mean, they, I think there's so much that they both did that people don't even really, and again, it's going to be similar to someone like Terry Holland. Mm -hmm. People just don't realize um, what an impact and what they do. Um, yeah, I think a lot of our listeners, especially people new to the town, probably don't know the history of Joe Walsh or Bill McAvoy. Obviously, McAvoy Field is named after Bill McAvoy. Uh, when we redid that field, it was appropriate to name it after him. People knew it before as Chadwick Field. And then, obviously, the football stadium with Joe Walsh. And, you know, I, I came in at when Bill McAvoy was winding down, but Joe Walsh to this day is one of my greatest mentors and what he's done. And I think you said it great. Those are two people that were very selfless that gave to this community and that North Andover, uh, they bled North Andover. And that's when I, when I think of guys like you and Terry Holland, uh, they're definitely people that uh, bleed North Andover. A good story about Joe Walsh. Um, so Sunday evenings, uh, skating at Brook School. Yeah. Um, Again, Bill McAvoy would have a way of getting people to help out. So both Joe Walsh and myself uh, would be up at skating on Sunday night. We were skate gods. Mm. Neither one of us could skate. <laughs> uh, I remember being out on the ice and we're in our shoes, but we're skate gods. Right. So uh, they gave us whistles. So if we had to get anyone's attention, uh, we didn't have to skate after that. We, we would just call them over. But. Uh, I always thought that was comical that we were skate guys, but neither one of us could skate. Yeah, so as you know, I've taken over most of what Bill McAvoy had left when he when he when obviously he retired, then passed. So I've, Brook skating on Sunday nights is one of my programs now, and and I had heard that story. So one of my requirements is the kids that are skate guys need to know how to skate, <laughs> uh, and we're happy to say that uh, we do give them whistles, but they do know how to skate. Yeah. So let me ask you something. How has the town changed since you were a kid? You talked about that. Obviously, we have new, more people in town. Uh, there's been more development, more what, what people affectionately call out country. But other ways that the town has changed since you were a kid, because you have a very clear vision of what this town was, because you really never left. Right. Well, obviously, the size of it. Um, it's always been, you know, almost 27 square miles, uh, but it's been built up so much. And uh, I think um, you see... Um, children today, they're not necessarily just in their neighborhood. They're being brought different places because their friends are living everywhere now. Right. Um, you know, back when I grew up, you you, you were basically in your neighborhood. Um, so, th you know, that's a big change. Um, I mean, the youth center, we didn't have it. 
Right. Um, it's one of great things for today's youth to, to be able to. I mean, we had um, the area playgrounds. It was great. Yeah. Um, but again, that was during the summer. Um, so there's so many, uh, I think, opportunities uh, for, for kids today. Uh, a lot more programs. But, um, you know, I enjoyed growing up in the town here. We, we, we had a lot of fun. Um, spent a lot of time outdoors. I don't know if, if there's as much of that. Um, mm. uh, not as much... Um, Everything's organized today, um, and um, you know back then we'd make up our own games and yeah. things like that. But um, still, a great place to, uh, to raise a family, and uh, uh, I think the town is just a great place to live. But def- definitely the, the the size and um, what's in town now. So, right. the, you know, obviously with you being a fireman. Uh, with you growing up in this town and your love for sports, it was only natural at some point in time you were going to be actively involved with the Boosters Club. And you were everything from a coach uh, to an organizer to a past president of the Boosters Club. Um, how did you, once you started raising a family, why was it important for you to give back in terms of youth sports? And talk a little bit about your career with the Boosters Club. So even before I had my own children, um, I, Saturday morning, Saturday morning basketball. basketball. Yeah. So... It, it started out here, which was the, the old, old Red, Red Barn. Yeah. Uh, we started out, it was an afternoon program, and um, we would have um, hoops brought in from Merrimack College. And we uh, would do floor hockey, we would do basketball, but we really saw something with the basketball. So we ended up starting the Saturday morning basketball program. And uh, the first year was at the North End of the, uh, the, the, the Community Center. Uh, then we needed more space, so we ended up getting the uh, Franklin School. Uh, we needed more space, we ended up getting the Sergeant School. So I would spend, um, at, at one point, it was up to eight hours every Saturday running uh, the basketball program. It started at eight o'clock uh, in the morning, uh, would be our first session. Uh, we started out with one second grade group, one third grade, one fourth, and then we went to uh, two second grade boys, two second grade girls, two second gra- uh, two thirds of each class, and two fourths each, each class. Then you and I, um, once we had the youth center, we brought the fourth grade basketball. Uh, yeah, we, we were the, the architects of that. And, and uh, for people who don't know, Tyler and Michael, my son, uh, were in the same grade. So I remember us talking like, how do we take that fourth grade out of more of a skilled training and more have leagues? So in 2000, when we opened the building, you came to me with this idea, which I thought was great. We went side hoop to side hoop, uh, two games going on at one time with the fourth grade boys and girls. Um, and it's to this day, it's continued prior to the pandemic. It was a major part of what we did here. Right. And I think we had eight that first year. We had yeah. eight teams, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Um, got into the Booster Club as a delegate. Um, I remember being out to dinner with my wife at the loft. And uh, Timmy Pivas, who was the uh, president, president at the time, yeah. Terry Holland, who was the vice president, were out having dinner. And uh, they asked me to uh, come in and um, take one of the vice president's job. And I said, ah, I'm not sure, you know, with the fight upon my schedule. And, oh, don't worry about it. It's not a lot. And they had a plan. They had a plan to eventually um, have me become uh, the president of Booth I loved it. I mean, it, it was great being part of it. I've met a great group of people um, through the Booster Club. Um, I was the uh, basketball commissioner for uh, well, six or eight many years, years yeah. many years. So, I mean, I, I've had a lot of fun with that. It was uh, I, it's just something I've enjoyed doing. Again, 
I did it before I had children, and then once I had my own children, they, they were involved. And um, you continued after even, both Kristen even, yeah, and Ty were yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, we were still in. And uh, um, at at some point, I did leave the booster club, and um, you know, it, it just again got a, a little bit too much for me. Yeah. But um, spent a lot of time in it and enjoyed it. Yeah. So we can't talk about that without bringing up, and this is a, a question that was. I think this was one of the questions it. that was off. Uh, um, Utah Jazz, George Niang, uh, M- Michael Gorman, and my fellow Methuen kids I coached, they, they would like to ask this question. Um, how is it that your all-time coaching career against Rick Gorman is two wins and 16 losses? Can you touch on that at all? Did we actually play that many games? We did. Uh, so I remember um, your team really developed as they got older. Yeah. Um, we were very competitive. I mean, the f- early years. The early years, we were very competitive. Um, and I think here, even here, when we used to do some uh, games here at the uh, the youth center, yeah. um, we usually uh, uh, not the end was usually a, a, a few points ahead. <laughs> but, but I remember uh, the first year of the uh, league that we had started, uh, the Merrimack Valley League. Yeah. Um, it was North Andover and Methuen in the finals. North Andover won the first game. Yes. If you remember. You did. And uh, but for some reason it was the best of three. Yeah. Uh, and I think the year after that it it's always been it went to one game. <laughs> so for that and I don't know if you told me after the loss if if it was oh by the way it's the best of three series I'm not sure <laughs> but anyways uh, uh, yeah I mean you're, obviously uh, we had a good team uh, yeah. great great group of. Um, uh, players here. Johnny Burr, Johnny Burr, Sean Hanson, Herb, uh, Tyler. McManus, uh, yeah. uh, Sean McManus, I mean, um, Brendan McManus. Yeah, a great group of people. Um, and obviously, I had a future NBA pro. You did. I had uh, four kids that ended up playing college basketball. But I'm still sticking that it was all coaching. Yeah. It was all coaching. Well, I remember um, in fifth, sixth grade, they were generally about the same size. Yeah. By eighth grade, I had Jimmy Zenovich and George. Yeah, you had you had some very very um, yeah. tall big players. So well, I'm sure George and Michael and my rest of my Bethune guys are going to enjoy listening to this. Well, I mean, and again, I I, I know that uh, they always enjoyed the the uh, cookies that my mother would bring to the game. <laughs> and I want to talk about your mother. So your mother, for people that don't know Billy's mother, she is an amazing woman. I was telling Billy offline that when I told my son that. Uh, I was going to be doing this. He asked about you know Mrs. McCarthy because she was just a major part. She came to every game, and she was a wise ass. That's the only thing I'll ever say. She always had the, the digs from me and everything else. But I look back at those times, and we had great parent support in Methuen, and you had great parent support in North Andover. But your mother was the king of all of the queen of all of it. Like the Methuen parents loved her, the North Andover parents. Um, she was a big part of it. But the biggest thing I took from her was her love for you, her grandson, um, and just basically North Andover in general. And she she really took things in stride. Like, you know, she came up with a reason that the reason we won so much was I paid the refs or something like that. She always had something to say. But, like, how is your mom doing? And, and why was your mother so involved with that? She's, she's doing well. I mean, she has um, a difficult time getting around. She's on a walk, but she still lives at home uh, with my older sister, Claire. So... I, I try to get there almost every day for lunch. She's just down from the fire station, so I like to try and eat there if I can. Um, when I do retire next month, I, I plan on being able to get her out more. And uh, but uh, she still enjoys, um, you know, watching sports. Um, back watching the Red Sox, she loved. Uh, you know, she was a love set to Tom Brady's, <laughs> has left the uh, Patriots, but. Um, 
Still has always loved the uh, watching sports. Both my mother and father, I, I got to be honest, I don't think they ever missed, missed one of game, my games, right? yeah. even in college. Um, we went to Bridgeport, Connecticut. It was a blizzard. There was nobody in the stands. My mother and father were there, mm. and they drove to Connecticut. So uh, they just, they were always uh, at the games. Um, and uh, she, again, made all of Tyler's games uh, growing up, Kristen's games growing up. And uh, she's she's having a ball with the grandchildren, yeah. absolute ball. Um, she, she, I go over there and she can't stop talking about them. So she does say all the time that um, they make me feel 20 years younger. So she's doing well, but she did, uh, when I told her I was gonna be meeting with you, she said, well, tell him I'm not done with him. <laughs> well, we miss her. She was a big part of everything. I have fond memories of her and obviously she'll be listening to this, but obviously send our best to your mother. Um, we talked a little bit about this. Uh, I joked that you outkicked your coverage marrying Pam. Uh, I got to know Pam over the last 30 years, and she's an amazing woman, amazing wife, amazing mother. Um, talk a little bit about the importance of Pam in your life. You guys have been married how many years now? This will be 35 this year. So I, she probably doesn't like this story, but I, you know, I went to ULO, was playing basketball uh, my sophomore year is when I met Pam and I decided at that point, I wanted to, to, to go home, commute to college, um, because again, I, I, you know, I fell in love and I wanted to spend some time with her. It was tough being away at school and stuff. And, um, but it's been 35 years, um, we do everything together. People, even the town manager uh, makes a joke about, um, she has seen Pam and I grocery shopping together. We do, you know, we, we go, and that's a big, that's a big joke now with some of the department head meetings, like, uh, you, you know, you go in the market basket tonight. Um, but no, we just, uh, we, we have the same interests. Um, you know, we enjoy being with our children, our grandchildren, we're all about family. Um, Pam works at the, uh, at the Kitcher School. Um, and she's gonna still work a little while longer? Yeah, I mean, she, she's um, decided that she's gonna at least um, go back next year, and then yeah. at that point she can decide what she wants to do. I mean. I don't know if she wants to, you know, spend all her time with me, but we, yeah. again, I'm willing to bet she doesn't. So she she needs this year to see if she yeah, uh, can yeah. handle that. Yeah. L let's talk a little bit about your kids. So you've mentioned Ty and Kristen. Uh, I've had the fortunate to have both of them grow up at the youth center with me, um, and both of them would work for me during the school year. But in the summertime, both of them ended up being site coordinators. Uh, out here at Drummond site, and again, the playground programs that we do the last 25 years are different than the playgrounds. It's more of a town-wide playground program now with different sites. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously they've become very successful. You talked about them having kids or whatever, um, but great, great kids. Um, and it's been, joy it's been great for me to kind of watch their involvement from being little kids to, to adults. Talk a little bit about your kids. Well, I think a lot of, of why they're so successful, what they do today. Kristen's a teacher in Haverhill. She's now teaching sixth grade. She started out teaching first, did some third grade. Uh, and then Tyler is the assistant director of admissions at, at Merrimack College. And they both, uh, Tyler graduated from Merrimack College and Kristen got her master's degree from Merrimack College. Tyler obviously now works there, but I think being here at the youth center, getting the opportunity to um, work here and develop um, their skills, working skills, I think 
it has gone, and, and that's why they're so successful at what they do. Um, and Kristen, as a teacher, and Tyler, and Mary McCall, they're very, very good at what they do. They care about what they do, um, and they like what they do. And I've always said, not only my kids, but anyone, um, pick something that you're going to like to do, mm -hmm. right? And, and again, it can't always be about making the most money. You have to enjoy what you do for work. And, um, you know, I always told them, whatever you decide to do, make sure you're doing that because you're going to do it for a long time. Right. And uh, I think they, uh, they, they've they both done a great job, but I think, you know, having the opportunity here, um, you know, developing some of those skills that they needed to move on. Uh, was, yeah. Was a I mean, we're, we're a side to seeing their growth, and I do think that the youth center was a small part of their growth. Obviously, they came from a great family and extended family, and uh, they grew a lot. But, um, you know, when I think about my summer programs, I can't think can't not think about both of them. I can't say though, I mean, if I they're both parents now. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I'm sure every uh, parent is gonna say this about their children, but they are fantastic parents. Um, my mother says it all the time, um, just watching them. And the nice thing today is you have that face, face time. Yeah. So if my mother doesn't have an opportunity to see them in person, they, they FaceTime all the time. And they're just both, great what they do with the now when we grew up there wasn't these things about this nap at this time and yeah, you have yeah. to do all this you just and i tell them neither one of you guys i if you fell asleep you fell asleep if you didn't but they're on these um different uh but uh schedules of, of these naps there and but they're just great they they're, they're loving being parents and uh it, it makes pam and i look and say wow we we did something right because yeah. they're, they're great parents no, you definitely did. Knowing them, you, you and Pam, so much credit for that. Let's talk a little bit, a little trivia question. Before the youth center was built, we were located in the white farmhouse on the second floor of the thrift shop right next to the old red barn. Uh, and we were there up until we started the construction in 1999. But people don't know is I actually was on the second floor of where you and Pam at one point lived there. And how long did you guys live there? We didn't live there long, but when we got married in 1986, we actually lived there um, for a little while. It, uh, until we bought our first house. We bought our first house. It was a two-family with my two brothers in Lawrence in 1988. So Pam and I were there probably a year and a half, two years. Um, and yeah, we lived on the on the second floor. And um, yeah, it was nice. And at that time, I worked at the station across the street. Quick walk to quick, work. Quick walk to work. And... Uh, but no, it was, and um, and then obviously we had uh, a fire uh, a few years down the road mm -hmm. in that building, and uh, I was actually on duty that day. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that a little bit when we get to that, yeah. because obviously I was here when that all happened, and it right. was a little bit emotionally tough for both you and Bill McAvoy. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your different jobs with the fire department. So you started out as a firefighter, went to a lieutenant. Um, what were some of the probably the the best things of the job that you liked over your career? Well, it, the camaraderie of the of the firefighters um, being part of it, it, it it's a it's a second family. Mm -hmm. um, you spend so much time together so that you really uh, these people became your brothers and, and sisters. Um, and uh, you know, I know when I first started, it was it was difficult because it was different. Um, uh, you know, going there and spending the nights there, the alarms coming in. Um, and there used to be um, 
old bells and was yeah. and, and they would go off. I always described it to people as um, have somebody come into your bedroom and just take pots and pans and just start banging them. That's how, that's how you would you you would rise for the call. Um, but uh, you know, just getting out to the community, helping people, um, you know, meeting different people. You knew you knew when you were called, um, people had an emergency, and you were there to go and help. And so that was always a good feeling. Uh, obviously, um, the fire department, firefighters, we do see tragic things. We're we're going to places where people um, obviously need help, medical help, uh, a fire. So we see people. Um, at their at, at at their worst moments, um, we hope we make the difference. But again, we do see um, tragic things. At, at times, it is difficult. Um, yeah, I wanted to touch base, and you don't have to get into specifics. But as a fireman, all the way up to being the fire chief, you've had to deal with some tough things. You've seen some deaths out of this. Um, you've seen some horrendous fires. Um, you've had to revive people that have overdosed and things in the fire department. I don't think people know have to do as much as they just think fighting fires there's so much to do on that how tough was the tough days I, I know that there was times and um, things bothered me and and I brought them home um, you know Pam could tell it, it was a tough day um, you know obviously going on calls uh, loss of life um, you know it's it's something that you, you hope you don't have to experience and, and but it, it happens um, so it, it can be tough at times for uh, for for all of us, and um, but we're a tight group. Uh, if we have a tough call, we talk about it. If we need to do uh, debriefing, we do that. So um, you know, there's it's a great job, public safety. Um, you know, I I wouldn't have gone back and changed anything of what I'd, I've done. I've been blessed, uh, I think, um, for my career. And uh, but again, it it can be difficult um, at some of the incidents that we do have to go to. Yeah. So not the worst experience you had, but I actually observed. So in '99, we were starting to build the youth center, um, and there was a fire that took place in the second floor of that building uh, where the thrift shop was at, and you were one of the responding people. And I remember standing outside as the fire was blazing, and I put my arm around Bill McAvoy, and he was. He was actually crying, and um, obviously I had an attachment because I had been in that building for 10 years, but I saw a guy that, you know, he believed so much in that whole community center, thrift shop building and stuff, and you were one of the responding fires. Remember, I think you actually got smoke inhalation when you were in there. What was it like? I actually looked at you, too. I, it, it was almost like you guys saw a piece of the history of North Andover burning up. What was that like that day? Yeah, I just remember, uh, you know, when I arrived saying, geez. I used to live there, right? And um, uh, fire started, uh, I think, b between the first floor ceiling and actually get up into the second, second floor. floor apartment. Um, it did help me living there. Um, you knew where everything was. I, I, you know, even though I, mean, I couldn't see um, yeah. because of the, the amount of smoke, um, I knew my way around. So it, it did help me. Uh, we were able to, you know, obviously knock the fire down. Um, I, I remember finding in the closet a bunch of the uh, basketballs that, yeah. we, that we would use yeah. uh, for Saturday. So again, there was a lot of history up there, a lot of Bill McAvoy's uh, photos and right. a lot of history, things like that. So it was, you know, it's always tough to see a part of North of his history, especially something that I was so close to, uh, you know, have that type of uh, incident. So yeah. 
Yeah, I still have memories of that building. Obviously, we love this building here and what this has become, but that was a tough day for all of us to uh, to kind of go through on that. So you and I, EJ Folds, there's only a few of us that have actually worked, still working, that have worked for every town manager North End ever had. I started with the first one, Paul Sharon, and obviously you were on the department at that time. Um, how is this present? Obviously, we work for Melissa Rodriguez right now, and D. Casey's our deputy. Um, how is this uh, regime different than maybe the past? And how are all of the? How's it been for you to work for all the different type of town managers? So I knew all the I knew all the town managers. Um, uh, you know, but as as chief, I, I really only worked with uh, Andrew Mela and then now uh, Melissa Rodriguez. Uh, I knew Mark uh, Reese pretty well, so I did have some, even as a, a, a lieutenant, there was times that... He also you know, coached his son in basketball, too. Did, did I there back then? Oh, no, Peter Breen did. Oh, that Peter Breen. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I've enjoyed working for both. Um, I, I enjoyed working with Andrew, uh, having the uh, meetings every two weeks uh, with department heads, and, and then he would go down and, um, you know, uh, you, you had a as well as with Melissa, you have to show uh, why you might need what you, you're asking for. Um, but uh, with Andrew, we were able to expand the fire department as far as uh, we got a full-time EMS coordinator position, which we didn't have, and we were one of the uh, first in the area to get that position. And uh, so important because 65% of what we do is EMS. Um, and then um, when Melissa came in, I uh, sat with her and I told her where the fire department, some of the things that we need to be moving towards, and we were able to uh, put on four uh, additional lieutenants that we were able to staff the, uh, the ladder truck with. So both of them were very um, pro-public safety. Um, and again, but again, we all realize we have to live within our means, and, and, uh, but uh, I've enjoyed uh, working with both of them. Um, and, and Melissa, is, 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 she's a lot of fun. Um, very uh, outgoing and yeah. uh, has a lot of stories, and I do run into her a lot at uh, at Market Basket. Yeah, she was in Damas. Yeah, you guys yeah, shot down yeah, there. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, both of them very different, but really, really strong leaders on that. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. You've been the chief uh, in two of the biggest incidents we've had. Obviously, the gas crisis. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the pandemic. And when I had Melissa Rodriguez on my uh, podcast, you know, she basically talked about how you and Chuck Gray and Paul Hutchins need vacations more than anybody because it's really been nonstop for a couple of years now. As the fire chief, what's it been like dealing with both the gas crisis and the pandemic? Well, I know a lot of the um, members of the department have always said, oh, chief, a lot's happened in these years since you've been chief. Um, Kind of when I, I, I started out a deputy, we had a, a serious incident at a, uh, one of the uh, plants we had up in our industrial park where yeah. there, there was an explosion and four people were seriously hurt. So that's, that's how it started for me. Uh, Columbia gas uh, incident, the crisis happened. Pam and I obviously, and I think you, you're aware of this, that we had just left for our anniversary. Yeah, you were in Ireland, right? No, we were actually uh, in Jamaica. In Jamaica. And we just got there, um, started getting the I know police, check, police grade as chief grade does not let you forget he that. He does not let me forget that. Um, that. That was a tough time for me, uh, knowing what was going on and really not know, being able to do anything. Um, but, uh, you know, as soon as I get the phone calls, 
uh, I went down to, to, to make a flight downstairs and I got back to the room, Pam had the bags packed. She knew we had to go. Right. Um, so it was difficult, it, you know, I didn't get back until uh, late that Friday night, um, but spent the next 30 hours at the station. Um, there was, you know, so much to do. And, you know, for that next year, um, it was like working two full-time jobs, managing the fire department, but working on the restoration um, of, the, of the gas incident. There was so many things, uh, people were without uh, heat, hot water. Um, we had daily meetings um, with the area um, fire chiefs. We met regularly with the governor. The governor was fantastic, he was here almost every day in the beginning, uh, we would have meetings. But there was a lot uh, that was, uh, you know, asked of the um, fire chiefs. Um, we had to make some, um, you know, very important decisions about um, how to replace, what we were gonna be replacing in homes. And mm -hmm. um, so we had a lot of input into that. And it just, the days were long, the, uh, it was weekends. I remember working on this uh, on weekends, making phone calls working with both uh, the gas company and the, the electric company. And uh, it, it, and again, it's not over for us. Um, you know, we've, we've seen an increase in calls um, for gas calls, but um, as tragically it was, um, there has been tremendous amount of improvements uh, that we see today, um, how we respond and how the, uh, uh, the gas, the current gas company uh, responds. We have a very, very good relationship with Eversource um, so, uh, but that, and then we, we went right into uh, COVID, yeah. and I know that affects everybody in the world. And um, but you guys are responding. Well, we're responding. Um, you know, it was obviously uh, different. We had to, you know, get the proper PPE. Um, we at that time we we had PPE, but not probably what we needed, um, and I think people saw that everywhere where hospitals were running short and um, but again we uh, we dealt with it um, we did uh, you know uh, have to make some changes some new ways of that we're responding and I actually had to separate the stations in the beginning mm -hmm. try to keep stations um, separate so if we did have an outbreak it wouldn't have affected the the second station um, so there was some things that you know we had to I think a lot about and you know not only uh, keep the fire department in business and, and, and be able to go out and, and but uh, make sure that we're protecting the public. So there was a lot. Um, so it's been it's been a busy few years here um, for public safety. Yeah, I mean you guys have done a phenomenal job. I think the police department <coughs> also. What you guys have done as a response has been incredible. What would you say your biggest accomplishments has been as a chief? Is it those two incidents and dealing with those two type of incidents? I I. I'm, I'm happy how um, we all uh, performed during those incidents. Again, I can't say enough for, for the firefighters on my department um, during the Columbia Gas. Um, they, uh, what they did that day was uh, unbelievable. And, um, you know, they had a way for help to come. They, and, uh, but you know, <coughs> just how they've uh, responded during the COVID, uh, tremendous. Um, my, my hope thought about coming in as chief was just try and leave the place a little bit better than when you came in. So I'm, Do you feel like you've accomplished that? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I mean, there's so many things that I would love to uh, keep uh, doing. And again, 
it's diff- it's going to be difficult for me to retire. I mean, um, it kind of hit me the night um, that they um, um, made the selection. Uh, Lieutenant John Will be the new uh, fire chief starting yes. July first, and uh, I realized at that point, yeah, I am I am leaving. Um, I'm not going to be the fire chief, but I I, I do think um, I'm I'm comfortable that I'm leaving the place in a good place. Uh, we're able to again uh, add some positions. I think we're uh, more effective, more efficient, uh, safer for the for the firefighters. Um, we're able to um, uh, get some grants for gear. When I came in, everybody had one set of uh, turnout gear. Um, I was able to. Um, get gear so now every firefighter has two sets of gears so in the event of a fire they're able to take that off uh, cl- you know put it through the uh, cleaning process through their washer and dryer and because uh, we're very conscious of uh, cancer in, in, in the fire service sure. so um, I, I and again I, I have a great group of people that I've worked with um, so it's let's, gonna, let's talk about that a little bit so you know you and I have our careers have married each other, and so we're on the, the the older end. And when I look at the fire department right now, I'm blown away with how many firemen uh, and, and fire women actually will YC kids at one point. But who were the closest people that you had on the uh, on the fire department that probably maybe came in when you came in? So when I started on the fire department in 1986, I knew a lot of them. Uh, my lieutenant, uh, I spent summers at his house because. I uh, played baseball with his son. It was uh, Ken Long. Okay, Ken, yeah. And uh, so I knew Lieutenant Long uh, growing up. And uh, um, one of the uh, high school uh, classmates of mine that I hang out with, his father was a a firefighter. I went into the fire department calling people Mr. Mr., yeah. uh, Because that's how I knew them. It was difficult for me to call them by their first name. And, uh, you know, Bill McAvoy was a firefighter. Yeah. And um, so, uh, great relationships that I still have with, with a lot of the retirees today. Um, I came in with Bob Bonifant. He just mm-hmm. retired a few years ago before me. Um, Jimmy Crane. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Crane, you know, I just saw him the other day at the uh, memorial service. He, he comes in uh, occasionally. I see him. We talk on the phone. Bernie Judge comes in. Ronnie Fowler was a retired. So we have a lot of firefighters have had some good, uh, long retirements. And that's, that's what it's about. Um, you're hoping that people retire and they're able to go out and, and, and have a good retirement. Uh, but I love seeing the new people coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hiring seven new firefighters. Yeah. Um, five are starting June 14th, and then two more will be starting um, in the beginning of July. Last year we hired three. Our fire department is, is very young and, and very new. Yeah. Um, so, but again, I, I, you know, COVID um, probably took a little bit away from all of us. Um, I didn't spend as much time as I would like to probably going to the other station. I used to like to stop there, have a coffee on my way. I'm starting to do that again, but, right. uh, you know, at that time I was trying to, um, you know, manage the department, keeping, sure. keeping, you know, trying, um, keeping as much uh, people separate as possible. It's been tough for the firefighters. You know, I've asked them, you know, not only are we were masking the trucks and on calls, we were wearing them on the station if we couldn't socially distance. Right. Uh, so we've asked a lot of all of them. Uh, it's been hard on them too, and I know it's hard on everybody. Everybody's experiencing this. Um, 
but it's uh, it, it's it's uh, I, we're seeing that we're turning the corner on it. Um, I'm, I see a bright future for the fire department. Um, it's it's a, gr a great group, and um, you know I'm 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 happy. I'm leaving it uh, in a good place. Without a doubt, and I love a lot of the you know seeing all the new young fire fighters there. It's just pretty impressive. I think the future is really bright here in North Andover with both our fire department and the police department. One of the things I was always intrigued about you when I met you back in '88. Um, there was this thing called the father and son camping trip every summer and your kids were really young at that point but then when all of you had kids working for me during the summer I always had to schedule something they, they could leave early for father son camping trip and it's amazing that you know prior to COVID you guys continue to do this and I think we're in the next generation now too tell folks a little bit about that a famous father son camping weekend so we started that, it was actually uh, four fathers that started it originally. Uh, myself and Tyler, uh, John McElhinney, who was, uh, has passed away a few years ago. Sure. Um, his, his son, um, yeah, Kev both, Kevin both and Danny both worked, worked, yeah, Danny worked yeah. yeah, And um, Sean Conway, who was yeah. a retired uh, police lieutenant from uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. And um, the other one, uh, the first year was... Um, so it was me, John Mac. Oh, Dickie Valentine. How could I forget? Dick Valentine. Uh, and his son Ricky. So that was the first four. Uh, the second year, uh, EJ was supposed to come, but he was at the police academy. EJ Folds. So uh, his EJ and his son Eric came the second year. Lenny Dagnan yeah. um, ended up coming the second year, and it's just grown um, from eight that first year, and you know we've been up to 32, 36 people. Uh, we've had a variety of uh, other fathers, you know, some brothers, some uh, cousins, and so we've been doing that. Last year was the first year we were not able to do it because right. of COVID. So we had gone, um, Tyler was uh, four years old the first year we went, and Tyler's 28 yeah. now. So last year was the first year we missed that. And we go up to Maine, we go to the, we've gone to the same, uh, it's Lake St. George, um, it's about a two and a half hour ride up, we stop. Uh, we eat well. Um, we we have menus all planned, and um, you know everybody helps out with the cooking and the cleaning. Um, some guys have some pop-up trailers; others are in tents. Um, but it's we've been doing it. We've had boats. We've you know done tubing. Uh, so it just and then we have activities. We have cornhole tournaments, forty-five tournaments. Um, we go golfing now. We have a father-son golf trip while we're up there. So it's just. It's a lot of fun. Did I think it was going to go this long? No, but we do have uh, Dick's uh, Valacourt's son, Ricky. Um, his son came up uh, just for a few hours. Uh, Ricky's wife brought him up. So, but, uh, you know, so that was the first uh, grandchild. Yeah. Um, it, it's, still, it's still an incredible story. I love hearing about it. Obviously, all of them. All the kids of all your friends have all worked for me, and they would tell wonderful stories about this. So I hope that continues. Yeah, we're pandemic. all scheduled to go. We're going July 20, the end of July, the last weekend of July. So and maybe at some point they'll roll you in in a wheelchair, but you'll well, still be going. Yeah, we'll so. still be going, yeah. All right, I got a few more questions for you, and then we'll let you out of here. What do you think the future holds for the North Animal Fire Department? I, I think it's bright. I think, you know, obviously... You have to um, be willing to change as times change and adapt to you know whatever's coming out there. But um, I know um, the current 
uh, town manager and deputy town manager are very uh, pro-public safety. They understand the needs of the fire department. Um, we have a good leader in, in, in John Weir. He's gonna, he's gonna make a great chief. The additional uh, officers. Uh, there's a plan in place to, 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 to um, hopefully get um, you know, uh, a stronger command structure. Um, but uh, you know, the town's growing. Uh, they're gonna have to look at you know, needs of you know, at some point maybe a third ambulance. Um, the ambulance does over 3,000 runs a year. And um, you know, the town, uh, like I said, is growing. But um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great group of people. Um, they work hard, um, very well educated. A lot of us have degrees in fire science, a lot of them um, professional development, um, you know, always out um, training, whether it's at the fire academy or the training indoors. So um, I, th I think the town can feel um, comfort knowing that, you know, in the event they need the North Indiana Fire Department, they're going to get a good response. So Awesome. What would you... Um what would you say to, you know, so if we can go back, I mean, you and I are dinosaurs now, but if you could go back to a 20-year-old Bill McCarthy, with what you know now in your, you know, your late 50s, what, what would you say to that young Bill McCarthy now? I, I, would, I wouldn't change anything I've done. I, I think I've been pretty lucky in my life. Um, and I've said this to people, I, I've said it to Pam, that... A lot of things have fallen in place for me. Um, you have to work for them, obviously. Um, but I just, you know, whether it was buying my house when we when we did, or um, you know, the children that I have, or the job that I got, or, or you know, again, there's so many people um, each year that you know want to be a firefighter. Want to. A lot of it's timing, whether it's openings or how well you do on the exam and. Um, same thing with you know getting promoted. It's whether there's jobs or not. Um, you know, did you do well on the exam? Um, so I wouldn't change anything I, I've done. Um, I took my father's advice. Um, you know, take these exams, and um, they can always offer you a job. It doesn't mean you have to take it. Um, but I knew it's it's what I wanted to do. Um, I I didn't see myself. You know, really doing anything else. I knew I was it was going to be something in public safety. So, um, I, I you know, looking back, I would tell myself the same thing. You know, work hard. Um, you know, don't give up. Keep um, you know re reaching for your goals. And I, I, I really think that I, I've met a lot of my goals. I, I've uh, again, I, I say it. I'm my life has been blessed. Um, you know, and again, uh, have we had you know tragedies everybody does in their in, in their families and things uh, but um, I, I look back and um, I'm looking forward to the future yeah um, I'm I'm looking forward to spending time with my grandkids I mean that's the big reason um, uh, not only do I have the years on the department it's it's um, I'm at that point where I have you know so many years but I told both Tyler and Kristen once you guys start having children I'm gonna be there for you guys and I'm looking forward to it I'm um, you know, um, looking for the next part of my uh, yeah. my life. So, I mean, the other thing that I would say that we've kind of married our lives a little bit, and I think this is what I would want to bring across to the young people um, is uh, we both were never afraid to work two jobs, and we were never afraid to give back to the community. So I have a memory of you, which 
probably only went up until recent years that when you weren't working, I saw you working with your father, your brother's landscaping company. Right. You know, I look at his days off, he's, you know, he's cutting grass. I know my days off were training basketball or something like that. And then the other thing is you, you showed beyond belief about giving back to your community. And I know you're not involved with the Boosters Club now, per se, you're a past president, but you gave so much of your time to that and you continue to give to this community that means so much to you. So I think that's also a message to the young people too is don't be afraid of hard work and you know, don't be so busy that you can't give back to your community. Because I think that's what makes North Andover as special as it is. Let me give you the final word. What would you say to anybody? Our, our listeners will age from, uh, from pretty much our high school kids through you know, people all the way up to your mother's age or whatever. What's one last word Bill McCarthy wants to say to the town of North Andover as he slowly heads into the sunset? Well, I'm going to be around. I, I, I have no plan on moving out of North Andover. I love it. Um, I could see myself, you know, getting involved in, in some type of uh, community type service. Um, I'll be around. Um, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the opportunity that has been given to me. I've, I've enjoyed meeting. I mean, that's one of the greatest things uh, about this job and, and, and some of the other things that I've done in town as far as uh, Booster Club. And I've had the opportunity to form relationships with people that, you know, I'll always have. Uh, I've really, uh, again, I, I, love, I love living here. My, my whole family's here, even my two children. They're only the next town over. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's been an honor um, to serve the town. Uh, I, I, I do, when I, when I say it, I appreciate the op opportunity that I've been given. And, um, but I'll be around, they'll, they'll see me. Yeah, we're looking forward to two things. Like I, I, I miss, when Tyler and Michael were playing together for that five year period, um, I used to see you in my office on Monday mornings, breaking down the, the games that took place during the weekend. So I'm hoping with your free time, you can swing by here and we can relive and yuck it up with some stories on that. And the other thing is uh, you have promised that we are going to be uh, reliving our yearly trip to Maine for the Boosters Club, which was a, uh, a pub crawl in a lot of ways and uh, a lot of good memories. Uh, people don't even know we were so stubborn about this that we went up in a limousine during a blizzard because um, we were not going to miss that trip to Maine. So I've talked to a lot of the fellas, and uh, we're hoping they bring that Maine trip back too. So, Billy, it has been an absolute pleasure to be your friend, uh, work with you as a peer, obviously different departments, but we connected in so many different ways. And, you know, it was such a thrill, you know, having your kids work for me. And um, you have done an unbelievable job for our community. Um, you know, folks, he's, he's only got about a couple of weeks left, so I... I wish you all could uh, wish him the best of luck, but I do agree with one thing you said. You're not going anywhere. You'll be around. We'll still see you. You'll probably be uh, volunteering at voting or maybe town, me town meeting or something. But I'll be a vote counter. <laughs> yeah. So, again, Bill, thanks for coming on the You Centered Podcast. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate it.